Good morning, church. Grace and peace to you from the Lord Jesus Christ. Welcome to this time of worship together at Faith Community United Methodist Church. Happy Memorial Day weekend. Tomorrow, of course, is Memorial Day, and we want to remember those who uh, have lost their lives in service to this country uh, on this weekend and, and honor them, and remember also the families who are remembering and honoring them this weekend. The uh, UMW is beginning their carnation sale for Father's Day, and uh, there is a box out in the narthex. You can, uh, the, the carnations are $1.50, and you can put your exact change or, or check in a sealed envelope along with your order form and place it in the box out in the narthex, uh, ordering the carnations for Father's Day through the UMW. You are here on a historic occasion today. Today is the last Sunday that we have to wear masks in worship at Faith Community, and that is, uh, yes, our, our administrative board did, did vote on that this past, week, uh, this past week during their meeting. The state of Ohio is dropping their restrictions uh, on June 2nd, and so we as a church are dropping our restrictions as well. So uh, beginning next Sunday, you can take the mask off. Of course, if you want to leave the mask on, that's, that's perfectly fine, but you don't have to. We'll, we will be opening up all the pews. So if your favorite seat has been blocked off for the past year, you can go back to your favorite seat next Sunday and all will be right with the world. And uh, we're, uh, we're also going to go back to the ushers passing out the bulletins. We will be passing the offering plates during the worship service. So uh, you can hold, when you bring your offering in, you can hold on to it. You don't need to leave it out in the narthex. You can bring it in with you. We will receive that during the uh, worship time. A couple of things that won't change, uh, at least immediately, we're not going to change the way that we're doing communion. Uh, the bishop has, has suggested that doing the uh, prepackaged communion kits is still the safest way of doing communion, and we still have several months worth anyway, so we're going to continue using those uh, until we use them up uh, for the next few months anyway uh, with the prepackaged communion. Also, we're not going to uh, resume the passing of the peace during the worship time. Um, but you, of course, are welcome to greet one another before the service and after the service. You're welcome to, to shake hands and hug if you want to. Just be mindful that there are people that might not want to shake hands and, and hug, and if you go to shake somebody's hand and, and they don't want to shake hands, uh, please don't be offended. Don't think that they're being rude. They just uh, are, are wanting to be, be safe, and that's uh, how they want to do that, and so we're going to respect that. We're going to respect people's uh, personal boundaries and needs and uh, and everybody feel comfortable doing what you need to do, but uh, we're going to try and, try and kind of get back to normal here. So uh, looking forward to that. We are here to offer ourselves to God in worship, and I uh, invite you into an attitude of worship, and I invite you to stand as you're able for the call to worship. Please join me in the call to worship found in your bulletin. Ascribe to God glory and strength. Worship God in holy splendor. The splendor of our Creator meets us here. We are filled with awe before our God. The voice of God is powerful and full of majesty. God offers strength and peace to all people. God's voice thunders over the waters. God's strength empowers our response. Holy, holy, holy is the God of hosts. The whole earth is full of God's glory. The universe is God's dwelling place. There, there is no place from which God, God is absent. Please join in singing our opening hymn, which is Holy, Holy, Holy Lord God Almighty. It's in the hymnal number 64. 
Please remain standing as we affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed. If you would like to follow in the hymnal, it is at number 881 in the back of the hymnal. Let us affirm our faith together. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he arose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. 
Please join with me in the opening prayer found in your bulletin. Wind of God, blowing among the crowds at Pentecost, sweeping across the generations to claim us, may we be born of the Spirit. Speak to us of heavenly things in the midst of our earthly pilgrimage, so we may live not for ourselves, but for the well-being of the holy human family. Send us as messengers of God, news and bearers of your peace. Amen. Amen. Let us prepare now for a time of prayer as we sing together, Come Thou Almighty King, number 61 in the hymnal. God, great one in three, we come to worship you this day, to know your presence that surrounds us at all times, your presence even that fills our very being. Lord, we thank you for the comfort of knowing that you are always with us, nearer even than our own breath. You are the one who sustains all of our life and empowers all that we do. Lord, we thank you for this church family, for this community, for this country in which we live. 
And on this Memorial Day weekend, we remember those who gave the ultimate sacrifice of their lives in service to this country. We thank you, Lord, for them, for their service, for their sacrifice. Lord, in Jesus, you showed us the way of true love, which is self-sacrifice. Thank you for those who follow that way and who are willing to give up even their lives for the good of others. And thank you for the ways that we have benefited, for the freedoms that we enjoy here that we so often take for granted. We know, Lord, that those freedoms come at a great price. And we thank you, for you are the author of freedom. You are the author of salvation. You are the one who sets us free from our sins through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, as we thank you for that sacrifice, may, may it take root within our hearts that we might truly know the depth of our sin and what it took to take that sin away. Lord, thank you for that sacrifice. We offer ourselves over to you in response and in gratitude and pray that you will work through our lives, that you will work through this church, that you will bring salvation to all through your Holy Spirit working through us. Lord, we pray all these things in Jesus' precious and holy name as we offer to you now the prayer that he teaches us to pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
Amen. Thanks, Carol. Uh, will you please rise for the gospel lesson? The gospel lesson comes from the 15th and 16th chapter of John. When the Advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify on my behalf. But now I am going to, to him who sent me, yet none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your hearts. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Advocate will not come to you. But if I go... I will send him to you. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth, for he will not speak on his own, but will speak whatever he hears, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify me, because he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine. For this reason I said, that he will take what is mine and declare to you. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. Well, in addition to this being Memorial Day weekend, this also happens to be the Sunday that we in the church refer to as Trinity Sunday, the week after Pentecost. Trinity Sunday acknowledges the, the truth that God is three in one, one in three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The doctrine of the Trinity wa was worked out over several hundred years in the early church. It's, it's a doctrine that is as mysterious and confusing to most Christians as it is foundational to our faith. It's one of those things that we believe even if we don't know exactly what it is we're believing. There's a story told of one of the early church fathers, St. Augustine, who was a bishop of northern Africa in the 4th and 5th centuries. The story goes that one day Augustine was walking along the ocean beach, contemplating the mysteries of the Holy Trinity, trying to wrap his mind around this idea that God could be both three and one. And as he walked along the beach, he, he saw a boy who had dug a hole in the sand, and the boy was running back and forth from the ocean to the hole, and with, with each trip he would dump a bucket of water from the ocean into the hole. Augustine asked the boy what he was doing, and the boy answered with enthusiasm, I'm going to put the entire ocean into this hole. Augustine replied, that's impossible. The entire ocean can't possibly fit into that little hole that you've dug. To which the boy replied, neither can the infinite mysteries of God, the Holy Trinity, fit into your finite mind. Now, I have no idea if that's a true story. It sounds kind of contrived to me. But whether or not that boy actually existed, whether or not he actually said those words, the words and the point are true. Nonetheless, trying to wrap our finite minds around the mysteries of an infinite God is about as easy as putting the entire ocean into a hole that we've dug on the beach. But we still do try, don't we? I mean, we have to try. We're compelled to try. We, we are beckoned to it by a God of relationship who calls us into relationship with himself. There have been all kinds of images and analogies used over the years to try and describe the Holy Trinity. There's the analogy of 
H2O, which can appear as ice and water and vapor, but it's the same chemical makeup no matter in what form it appears. There's the example of a woman who can be a mother to her children and a wife to her husband and a friend to her friends, but is still the same woman no matter the nature of the relationship. There's been the image of a three-leaf clover, which has three leaves making up one clover, or the image of a triangle, which has three sides making up one form. All of those analogies and all of those images fall short, however, in conveying the truth. God is not just triune in how he appears to us or how he relates to us. God is triune in and of himself, in his very existence, quite apart from his relationship to us, and yet he is one. Likewise, there are not parts or pieces of God, the Father being one part, Jesus being another part, the Holy Spirit yet a third part that taken together make up the whole. God is indivisible. He can't be split up into parts. God is everywhere and all at once, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, one God. The problem with all of these possible analogies and images, of of course, is that they all try to explain in human terms something that is divine in nature, to force into our finite minds a God who is infinite and beyond our comprehension. But just because God is infinite and beyond our comprehension does not mean that there isn't anything that we can know or say about him. God has revealed himself in certain ways. God has made himself known to us in the gift of his word in the Holy Bible and his word made flesh. The doctrine of the Trinity, it's not stated explicitly anywhere in the scriptures. There's there's no Bible verse that you can point to that specifically says God is three in one. There's no verse that says God himself within the Godhead is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the doctrine is biblical through and through. It came to be understood as the early church considered the ways in which God revealed himself in Scripture, going all the way back to the creation. Genesis 1 1 to 2, in the beginning when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void and darkness covered the face of the deep while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Some translations say the Spirit of God swept over the waters. In Hebrew, wind and spirit are the same word. That wind of creation was the Spirit of God. Verse 3, and God said... Let there be light, and there was light. God spoke, and it was. It was through the Word of God that creation came into being. The same Word that the Apostle John wrote about, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. All things came into being through Him, and the Word became flesh and lived among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory as of a father's only son, full of grace and truth. The Spirit of God swept over the deep. The Word of God brought forth life. And then Genesis 1.26, then God said, let us make humankind in our image according to our likeness. Let us make humankind, God said in our image, according to our likeness. 
Who was God speaking to? He was speaking to himself. But not like an anxious person who's trying to talk himself down or not like a, a person that you see walking down the street talking to someone who isn't there. God was conversing with within himself because God is within himself a community. God is in and of himself a family. A family that is also a unity. The members of which can be distinguished one from another but can never be separated one from another. A family of three persons who are distinct but not independent. A family that is one. You can never say of the Father that He is not the Spirit or the Son. You can never say of the Son that He is apart from the Father or the Spirit. You can never say of the Spirit that He is different than the Father or the Son. They are all of them one and the same God. For God is one. Wherever one is present, all three are present. Wherever one is at work, all are at work. Whatever is done by one is done by all. That is why Jesus is called Emmanuel, God with us. Not a bit of God with us, not one tiny aspect of God's nature here on earth, God with us. In Christ, the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. Not one-third of God. God can't be divided into fractions. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell in Jesus. That is why it is true also not just to say that God sacrificed His Son for our salvation, which is true, which we are told over and over again throughout Scriptures, and which is a foundation of our faith, but it's even more to the point to say God sacrificed Himself for us. That is the even deeper truth of our Trinitarian faith. The sacrifice of Christ was God's gift of Himself for our salvation. Likewise, that is why if I have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, I don't claim that I have a part of God within me or a piece of God within me. If I have received the gift of the Holy Spirit, then I have God living within me. Now, if that doesn't make logical sense to you, that God can be one and three distinct in persons, one in being. If you can't wrap your mind around how God could be a family and a singularity at one and the same time, then perhaps you're beginning to approach the doctrine of the Holy Trinity. Because this is an infinite mystery that our finite minds cannot grasp. Conversely, if the Trinity makes perfect sense to you, then you probably don't understand it as correctly as you think you do. Because this is an infinite mystery that our finite minds cannot grasp. But even if we cannot fully grasp it with our finite minds, which we can't, we can see how this understanding of God as Holy Trinity came to be, came to be believed through the Scriptures and the impact that this belief has on our lives. Before Jesus came to earth, God was thought of as being out there somewhere, in heaven, distant. Where exactly that was, no one knew for sure. They talked about it being up in the sky, probably because they had a sense that God was looking down on them. Sometimes God would draw 
near, such as when God spoke with Moses atop Mount Sinai, or when God's presence entered the Holy of Holies in the temple. But still, there was this sense of great distance between us and God. God was otherworldly. God was completely separate. God was holy. That's what the word holy means, separated out, set apart. Then, Jesus came to earth. And in Jesus, the fullness of God was dwelling in human form. People could see Jesus. They could talk to Jesus. They could touch Jesus. They could relate with Him as one person relates to another. In Jesus, God was dwelling among us to show us exactly what He was like. Jesus even said to His disciples, anyone who has seen Me has seen the Father. That was a huge shift in paradigm. No longer was God distant, separated out from His people. God actually entered into His creation. God became one of us so that we could see Him and hear Him and know Him on a human level. But that whole paradigm shift from God out there to God in human form had not even begun to sink in when Jesus started preaching yet another paradigm shift. No longer would God be seen in physical person of Jesus, He would come directly to each one of us in the Holy Spirit. Not just distant out there in heaven looking down on His creation, not just located in the person of Jesus, the Holy Spirit would be God in us. God filling our very being with His Spirit and His presence and His comfort and His power. The disciples had just begun to catch on to the idea that Jesus was revealing God's very self. And then he says, but it's a good thing that I'm leaving. It's a good thing that that you won't be able to see me anymore because now, now you will get to know God directly, immediately, personally, from the inside. You see, as long as Jesus was around, he he was embodying the presence of God within himself. But once he returned to heaven, we, his followers, could know the presence of God, not just embodied in Jesus, but embodied in us. God in us. It was a whole new idea. None of the disciples ever would have dreamed of such a thing before. They couldn't even imagine such a thing as what Jesus was talking about. They had no way of relating to what Jesus was saying until it happened. It happened. On Pentecost, the Holy Spirit was given to each believer and they experienced the presence and power of God dwelling within them, working through them. That's why the early church was so explosive in its witness and in its growth because they were witnessing to the presence and power of God dwelling in them. That's still the case today in parts of the world where Christian faith is growing by leaps and bounds, mostly in Africa or in certain third world regions. They are witnessing to the presence and power of God dwelling in them, working through them. Have we yet caught on to this new paradigm that Jesus was preaching? 
do we yet fully realize the, the full presence and power of God that is placed within each one who believes in His name? Just like the first disciples, we, we can't even hope to understand until we have experienced. But once we have experienced it, then we begin to understand. To understand at least the practical implications the doctrine of the Trinity, even if we can't explain the doctrine in intellectual terms. And it's the practical implications that the New Testament focuses on anyway. The practical implication of what Jesus was saying to his disciples was this. No matter how bad things seem to be in the moment, you have nothing to fear because God is in you. The same God who created all that exists, the heavens and the earth, the same God who who gave us life and who we know as Father. That same God came to earth in Jesus Christ and, and became one of us, God with us. He showed us the love of God. He overcame evil in His goodness. He overcame sin in His righteousness. He overcame death in His life. And now, that very same God has given himself to each one of us. Not just God with us, but also God in us. You can know his very presence and power dwelling within you, helping you to face all trials, giving us the the strength to resist evil, giving us the grace to turn back from sin, turning our despair into hope, turning our sorrow into joy, helping us to overcome this world. We can't hope to understand the Trinity as an abstract thought. We can only hope to experience its truth. Experiencing God for us, God with us, God in us. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, taking us beyond the limitations of the moment, lifting our visions into the realm of God Almighty welcoming us into the family of God. For God, who, who is divine family in and of Himself by His very nature and has been for all eternity, has invited us into that divine family. He has drawn us into union with Himself. Jesus, praying to the Father, said, As you, Father, are in Me and I in you, may they also be in us, so that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become completely one. That is Jesus' prayer. That in Him we all may become completely one. Not that we will lose our individuality, not that we will give up our identities. There is a distinction to be made between the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. They are indeed three distinct persons, but they are all completely and entirely one. And so it is to be with us. We are to become completely one as the family of God. The God who once was completely separate, 
but makes us completely one in Him. What a mystery. What a blessing. Amen. I invite you to stand now as you are able and join in singing our closing hymn, which is Spirit Song in the hymnal number 347. As you go from this place now, know that you are the family of God, made one in Him. In the name of God the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.